We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Beauvais, or, or as he likes to be called, Adam Matt Beauvais. Uh, he's right now joining us from WKBW-TV in Buffalo on the Western Hotline. Uh, Matt, thanks again for taking the time today. Are you indeed out on the golf course today? You know what? I was supposed to be, but I decided I should probably take a day off. I played yesterday. I've got a bunch of things to do around the house today. So I decided not to golf. A real adult decision that I made here, Brayton, but I'm just trying to be an adult because <laughs> I know I'm going to be pretty tied up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Lots of adulting that needs to be done today on uh, everywhere around Western New York because, yeah, so many people's attention are going to be tied to. Uh, I mean, in your case, you're going to be at the stadium and it's going to be glued to the field, whereas many other people are going to be glued to their televisions uh, watching the Bills take on the Steelers tomorrow. So, uh, first off, thanks again for taking time today to join me. Um, and sort of the headline or the thing that we're talking about today today is sort of your main storyline or headline that you're watching heading into this game. What's the, the number one thing you're going to be watching for in the main matchup that you're watching heading into this matchup with the Bills and Steelers in Orchard Park? Well, I think more importantly than anything, it's just like making sure that the Bills leave tomorrow with a win because, you know, that's obviously what's most important. But I think like a positional matchup that I'm most interested in is the Bills pass rush versus the Steelers offensive line. I just think, obviously, there was so much emphasis to the Bills put on the pass rush this summer with Greg Rousseau, with continued development, A.J. Epinesa, with Boogie Basham, with keeping Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. People thought they could potentially be cap casualties. It was a big point of emphasis for the Bills this year was beefing up the pass rush because last year that was an area where they struggled. And then as far as the Steelers are concerned, there are some questions on their offensive line. They're starting some inexperienced players. So that should be an area where the Bills can have some success. Now, that said, you do have to temper that a bit with Ben Roethlisberger gets the ball out of his hand faster than pretty much anybody in the NFL. You know, I feel like he led the NFL in that category last year with, like, pass attempts that, you know, were out of his hands within two seconds or less. So I think he's going to get pressured. That might not always lead to sacks, but the Bills' defensive line needs to be disruptive, and I think if they are, the Bills should be able to come out of tomorrow with a win. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm watching for, Matt. It's part of what I'm watching for tomorrow. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how this Bills defense adjusts to Matt Canada, who's the first-year offensive coordinator with the Steelers. We saw last year that the Steelers were obviously a, a, a very pass-heavy team with the, the rushing attack being uh, um, really non-existent for the Steelers' offense, uh, only averaging about 84 yards per game. But now they get Najee Harris in the picture. They have a new offensive coordinator. They're, they're changing things up a little bit, maybe trying to take some of the uh, pressure away from Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball so much. And uh, and obviously this year might be the last ride for Ben Roethlisberger in a Steelers uniform because we don't know what his future holds in Pittsburgh. So um, just one of the things that I'm watching for is just how this defense adjusts to uh, potentially a, a bit of a new look offense for the Steelers going into this upcoming season. Their run defense, the Bills' run defense, is still an area where I'm, you know, a tad concerned just because last year, you know, that obviously was an area where they struggled. And Mm -hmm. I think Najee Harris is going to be really, really good. That said, I kind of think the Bills' game plan is 
if you want the Steelers to run it on you 20, 25 times and you have an offense as explosive as the Bills, then they might stay fine. They might be like, okay, that's fine. If you want to chew up the clock that way and you want to play this game, like we're going to score fast. So you can be on the field you know, twice as much as, you know, that we're going to be on the field, but we're going to score points and you're going to probably have to settle for field goals. It's kind of, you know, a strategy that they've had for a while now. So, you know, it might be frustrating for Bills fans tomorrow because you're going to see like, all right, six-yard gain from Najee Harris, five-yard gain from Najee Harris, and you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, like why can't they stop the run? And part of that might be by design. Of course, they obviously want to stop him as best they can, but I think they'd rather give up those small chunk plays then potentially get beat over the top on a big play from Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson or, you know, something like that. So I do think it's going to be an adjustment. I think the run defense is going to be an area where we're, you know, it's something going to be something we talk about a lot this year. But I think with an improved pass rush, you can kind of get away with that because on the downs when the Steelers or when any team they're going to play are going to have to pass, I think the Bills are going to be able to get there quicker. And I think that's going to force more, you know, punts basically from the opposition. Matt Bovey from WKBW Channel 7 here in Buffalo joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Again, Bills Steelers will kick off the 2021 regular season tomorrow here on WGR. Kickoff at 1. Our pregame coverage on WGR beginning at 7 a.m. Matt, one one of the things that we uh, we heard from Sean McDermott yesterday, uh, not only here on WGR, but also in his uh, in his Friday press conference, was the cornerback battle, especially opposite Tredavious White between Dane Jackson and Lee. Levi Wallace. Once again, Levi Wallace comes through and prevails to win that CB2 battle for the Bills going into another season. Um, you know, it, was that his job uh, from the start or, or at least from the, over the past few weeks? Or do you still believe that the Bills are high on Dane Jackson and, and potentially see him more than just the seventh round pick from last year? Maybe see him as a bigger asset going forward, maybe with just a little bit more development? Let me say this. Shame on all of us because we were all talking about this as we were going into training camp, the whole quarterback two competition. <laughs> and once again, Levi Wallace was able to win it, and it wasn't even really particularly close. In this case, a couple years ago, it's what are the Bills going to do with quarterback two? Levi Wallace beats out Kevin Johnson. Then he beats out, you know, last year, uh, Josh Norman. And then this year, it's Dane Jackson. I think the area where they separated themselves was in the preseason because Dane Jackson got you know targeted a bit in that first preseason game against Detroit and Levi Wallace made a couple big plays I think the tie was always going to go to Levi Wallace if it was close just because he is more experienced and I think they trust him just a little bit more than Dane Jackson is concerned right now right that does not mean that Dane Jackson is going to be you know not a contributor he's going to probably get called upon this year because the Bills don't have a ton of cornerback depth if anything happens to Levi Wallace or Tredavious White for that matter they're probably going to be lining up Dane Jackson I think they believe in him, but I think right now they trust Levi Wallace more, and that's why he ultimately won the job. And I think that's an area where the Bills could upgrade, but I also think Levi Wallace has done a commendable job these last couple of years. And I think when you're comparing him to Tredavious White, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, sure, there's going to be a gap, but there's going to be a gap between Tredavious White and 85 90% of the corners in the league. So I don't think that that's necessarily a knock on Levi Wallace. I think he's got the job locked down, and if he stays healthy, 
that's going to be his job basically all season. Uh, before we switch to the to the offensive position battle that that Sean McDermott mentioned with us here on WGR yesterday, uh, Matt, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, again the loss of Star Latulule at least for this week. He's still dealing with a calf issue, but we saw how well the uh, you know the Bills defense how well they played, especially later in the season. But right off the bat, they struggled without Star Latulule, and they they eventually got their feet under them and performed better as the season went on. Is this pretty much just going to try to be an approach of just status quo from last year where they didn't have Star Lutulele, or, or do you think that uh, the Bills will still feel that impact of not having him in the lineup, especially for for a game like this, uh, which is a high-caliber game against a, a good Steelers team still? I think they'll feel the impact more when teams are trying to rush the ball on them as mm-hmm. opposed to when they're trying to pass the ball on them. That's just my opinion. But I do think because of the added depth and the added rotational just capabilities that the Bills have on the defensive line, they might not feel his absence quite as much as they did last year. And I think going into last year, none of us really expected them to miss Latulale as much as they did. But obviously, you know, that came up to bite them, and it was an area where they struggled. So I think tomorrow it is going to be – Somewhat of status quo to what we saw last year, but I think on you know downs where it's obvious that the Steelers are going to need to pass, the Bills just have so many different options that they can throw at opposing teams that they might still be able to have success. And obviously, Latulale is there to kind of clog up the middle and to free up everybody else. I think if it hurts anybody the most, it might be Ed Oliver because he's going to probably get more attention on him now that he's not going to have Star Latulale next to him. But I think that with the nature of the injury it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that extends long into the season so he should be back you know at some point in the near future matthew bovey joining us right now on the western hotline from wkbw tv right here in buffalo new york uh uh matt um going to the offense now uh the other the other position battle that sean mcdermott mentioned yesterday right here on wgr with uh sal capaccio and, and jody biasi uh, during the X Point show was the guard battle. And uh, that's been a, a hot topic for the Bills from the start of training camp and dating back to earlier this offseason. What have you seen from that battle, and who do you think eventually is on that starting offensive line come tomorrow when the offense takes the field? I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to work in some sort of rotation because Sean McDermott has done that in the past. Mm-hmm. However, I am thinking that the majority of the reps are going to go to Daryl Williams, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morris, those three are pretty much locked in. And then at guard, you're going to probably see some combination, I think most often, of Feliciano and Cody Ford. Mm -hmm. That said, they do value the play of Ike Butker. He's versatile. He can do a little bit of everything. So right now, I think their best five, that includes Ford and Feliciano. But Ford has been inconsistent when he's played. So they're going to need to see what they have in Butcher if there's a couple of drives where maybe Ford is getting beat or where they're getting abused. But I think the interior of the offensive line could be a sneaky issue for the Bills this year. I don't think it's going to be a massive issue. We're really being nitpicky here because us saying it's an issue is a lot different than an issue the Bills had like five years ago. It might be an area where every once in a while they get exposed. I don't think it's going to be something that holds them back from ultimately being one of the best teams in the NFL but it's going to be something that maybe isn't as up to par as people are expecting. So I think right now I'd give the edge to Feliciano and Ford, and I'd bet they play most of the game tomorrow. That said, don't be surprised if Butker is in because I do think that they value him, especially in certain situations. A couple more questions I I got here for you, Matt. First off, um, is there anybody on this roster overall that you see – 
really taking the reins as becoming one of these really impact players, not only just this upcoming season, but for, for the long-term future of the Bills. Is there anybody that stands out to you as bound for a breakout season and, and really establishing themselves as a long-term key piece to the roster? That's a good question. I would say that I think we're, I think the obvious answer would be Ed Oliver because it's something that a lot of people have talked about this summer and they're expecting him to have a breakout season. But I'm thinking Tremaine Edmonds. And I know that's probably crazy to say because like, he's already been to two Pro Bowls. Obviously, he's a very accomplished player, and a lot of people think that he's very good. I tend to think he's very good also, but last year was inconsistent. I think he started last year slow, and as the year went along, he got better. And sometimes we forget he's still 23 years old and he's entering his fourth season in the NFL. So I think this is a huge year for him. I think that this is a year where he's going to make himself some money and he's going to be a part of the Bills for the long-term future. You know, obviously they extended his fifth-year option and the plans are to keep him around, but he's going to get paid pretty big. And I think if he has a strong season this year, he's going to, he's going to justify that payday. And I think in this defense, with the improved pass rush, with the strong play in the secondary behind him, this could be a year where Tremaine Edmonds becomes, you know, a legitimate top 10 interior linebacker in the NFL. So with all this and with the hype leading up to tomorrow's opener and looking at the entire schedule for the Bills going into the season, how do you think things play out for the Bills this season, Matt? What do you think the record is? Do you think they are playoff bound, Super Bowl bound? What are your prevailing thoughts heading into this overall season? I think they're going to be very good, like very, very good. And I, you know, I toy, I go back and forth here because I'm somebody who grew up in Western New York, so I've seen the Bills disappoint so many times in years past. And you always kind of have that thing in the back of your head where it's like, oh goodness gracious, like are they going to disappoint? Are they going to come back down to reality? But when you look at it from a strictly football standpoint with the players on the roster, with the coaching staff that they have in place and the continuity that they were able to bring from last year into this year, I think they're a better team now than they were six months ago based off of the additions that they've had. I think they're a 12 or 13 win team. I don't think they're quite good enough to have the number one seed in the AFC, but I think they're going to be one of the top seeds in the AFC. And I think that they absolutely have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that I would say the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl. But if they do, it's not going to surprise me. And it probably shouldn't surprise anybody because that's how good they are. And at the end of the day, it ultimately comes down to the quarterback. And I firmly believe that Josh Allen is now a rock-solid top-five quarterback in the NFL who still has room to grow. He's got an offense that's the same with a coordinator who should have been a head coach coming back for one more season with an even better group of weapons around him because I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be an upgrade over John Brown or at least the John Brown we saw last season. If they stay healthy, I fully expect the Bills to be playing in you know, the AFC Championship game with once again a shot at going to the Super Bowl, and I would never count them out against any. They can beat any team in the NFL. That doesn't mean they're going to beat every team, obviously, but they can beat any team in this league. Well, Matt, uh, hockey season's also around the corner. Have any thoughts on the Sabres early uh, on with uh, with training camp opening up in about a week and a half? You know what? I'm, like, cautiously optimistic that they're not going to be the worst team in the NHL, which is <laughs> a lot different than what I would have told you, like, three months ago. Yeah. I do like that they brought back Don Granado. I like some of the contracts that they've signed, especially with, you know, Middlestat and with Yoki Haru. I'm still waiting to see what they're going to do with Darlene. I want to know how they're going to figure out that contract. And obviously everybody wants to know what's going to happen with Jack Eichel, and I'm still really right. curious about that. 
it's funny, I was playing cards with some of my friends last night, and somebody asked me about Jack Eichel, and I haven't even really thought about it for a couple weeks, and just because I've been in such football mode, it, like, caught me off guard. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, Jack Eichel's still on the Sabres. Like, they haven't figured that out yet. So I do think that they're going to show promise. I think if they can play a brand of hockey like we saw down the stretch last year with Granado over a full season, they're going to be, you know, somewhat fun to watch. They're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but they'll at least be a fun team to watch that isn't just sitting there in misery. And they'll be promised, you know. I think that the pipeline looks a lot better than it did a couple, you know, a couple months ago. Obviously, when you get the first overall pick, that helps a lot. I have no issue whatsoever with Owen Power going back to Michigan. I think that was the right thing. You know, I think that they're going to be – I like that they've realized what they are and they're not trying to put a Band-Aid on this and put together a team that's maybe good enough to be the eighth team into the playoffs. Like, they're not good enough for that. Start all over, and I know people don't want to hear that because we've been sitting here watching the worst team in the NHL – for a decade now, right. basically. But being self-aware is very important. And yeah. I like that they are self-aware right now. At least it feels like that. And it seems like they know what they want to be. And now they are on the path to try and get there. And obviously the big domino is Jack Eichel, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's just hard for me to look at this roster and, and really have any other thought than just, I don't know how this team is, is much better than they what they were last year. Of course, you know, the, oh, the yeah. start of last season was a terrible one. I mean, the 28-game the yeah. start under Ralph Kruger was um, arguably maybe the worst stretch of hockey we've seen in the entire 10-year existence, you know, of this playoff drought or even in the history of the Sabres for that matter. But, uh, you know, still, even with the 28-game turnaround that they had under Don Granato, which, you know, record-wise wasn't necessarily great. Maybe on the ice it was yeah. better it's still really hard to kind of look at everything else that's happened around the NHL and looking at the Sabres and think that, man, I mean, how can they climb out of the basement this year? I mean, it might take them another year or maybe even two uh, where, hey, you know what? You look at the draft classes and both the next two draft classes are going to be really good with some really good premier players at the top. Yeah, nobody should be talking about like, yeah, it's funny because like, I was going to say nobody should really be talking about any like lofty expectations for the team this no, year, and I know no. that's like I know that's so hard to hear. And at the same but, point, you shouldn't be talking about the team tanking either. They're not going to willingly just you know fall apart in a season and lose like you know no, arguably not, they did years ago when they were trying to get Eichel or, or McDavid. Yeah, exactly. They're not constructed to purposefully lose games. They're constructed be, to be a team that is young with you know players who they want to see grow. And if they don't, then they can cut bait with them and they can figure out ultimately what they are. But like you said, next year you should have you know in their line. It's crazy that we're talking about next year before this year has even started. <laughs> but you know you should have an even better version of Rasmus Dahlin. I like Yoki Haru's game, mm-hmm. and you'll have Owen Power. So you've got three solid defenseman and then maybe I don't know Jack Quinn is an okay player by then who can contribute maybe JJ Paterka is somebody who's in the lineup by then maybe you know there's just so many like there's so many guys who are kind of in like this middle tier and ultimately what the Sabres need to do is they need to get the most assets that they possibly can for Jack Eichel and hope that one of those turns into like a premier top line player because I don't think Dylan Cousins is that yet I think Dylan Cousins may be down the road could be like a good, consistent two-way first-line center. He's not there yet, but that's your core of your team is Cousins, the defenseman that you already have in your pipeline, and you hope that like Casey Middlestat is a good NHL player as opposed to what some people thought he was 
a couple months ago, which was a bust. So, <laughs> I mean, like like I said, I'm happy that they're being self-aware and they're not trying to put a Band-Aid on this. I'm cool with them tearing it all down and keeping the young core together and going from there. They just they can't just rush into a Jack Eichel trade, and clearly they haven't at this point, and I, I commend them on that. Yeah. I'm glad that they haven't just traded Jack Eichel to get him, you know, get him somewhere else and just to appease that camp. Like, he's a very valuable asset here, and they need to make sure that they're not getting burned on a trade. And even though his stock may be as low as it is, it is as low as it's ever been right now with all the things that are going on, he is still a top-ten center in the NHL who's young, who has upside, and they should be able to get a really good draft pick, a really high-end prospect, and in my mind, a couple other pieces, and anything less would be a failure by them. I agree. Well, Matt, I know we could talk Sabres forever, but I'm running out of time, so I've, I've got to let you go. So thanks again for taking the time today. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy tomorrow especially, and we'll talk again down the road here to talk more Bills and Sabres. Thanks, Brayton. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. You as well.